0: straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Hey guys, just real quick, in this uh, time of coronavirus, when we're all sitting at home bored off our asses and everyone is either streaming Netflix or Pornhub, these connections haven't been the greatest, so the sound's not exactly up to par, but it's still good enough to enjoy some really fantastic conversations, so I hope you'll stick with us and join in on this next one. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And again, I'm getting too bored just sitting around, so I'm just going to dive straight in. Who the fuck are you? What do you do? I am Rich the Fuck Labar, and uh, I jump out of planes
1: and teach people to jump out of planes.
0: Nice, nice. Both two very, very happy things to do, especially considering the stuff we got going on right now. But the most important question for you I've got is... What did you think of the Tiger King?
1: Man, I actually uh, believe it or not, I fell asleep after the first twenty minutes. Really? And the content—it was just the time of day I started watching it. I I was confused to begin with, even before I saw that it was a documentary, because I've always been kind of confused about people who want to be in close proximity of big cats voluntarily, (laughs) right? You know, (laughs) well that guy. So. uh, I was okay with the way that was headed to begin with.
0: He was such a fucking character, and you're right. I'm, I can't believe it anyway, but I love this. They start out with the statistic that there's like twice as many cats in captivity as there are in the wild. And, of course, it's in the U.S. <laughs> it's and in be. Florida. Of course it's in Florida. Yes. Flor- I would have said Florida or Texas, one of the two. <laughs> so you you jump out of airplanes and you teach people to jump out of airplanes. Where are you based out of?
1: I'm living in Elo, I have been for the last five, six years now.
0: Scottsdale, Arizona. So yeah, I
1: spent there at Skyve, Arizona. Yep.
0: That is one wonderful drop zone, man, although I'm guessing it's a little quiet right now.
1: It's uh, there's a lot less planes in the sky right now, but uh, it's you know, it's beautiful, it's sunny, it's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've definitely jumped in Arizona a few times, and uh, I, when I was there, I was actually low time enough that it was still really intimidating because all the best of the best were in Arizona, um, and uh, I think I only I only went there once where I was a little bit more comfortable with my skill level, but I was there to get my AFF rating, so I was terrified of that shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of the. Uh the evil stuff for for aff ie right now and that is a terrifying place to be it's got being be. an aff instructor is terrifying
0: right it's <laughs> it's so hardcore there's so much more to take into consideration and i never thought in my career that i would be happy to just strap another human being to me and only be responsible for a tandem right i don't know when the hell it, it, that it's, happened it's
1: it, it amazed me when people are like, I would never want to get a tandem rating. I want to get my AFF rating. I'm like, AFF is terrifying. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> it truly is. It is. Cause there's so many times that you're trying mentally to fix someone's problem. That's right in front of you and you can't do a fucking thing about it. <laughs> it's horrible. So how, how did, uh, how did you get started in, well, how did you get started in anything extreme? Not even necessarily skydiving. Uh, you know what? It's,
1: uh, let's see, I think it goes back to, um, skiing and snowboarding and in, in my early teens, uh, spending a lot of time, I grew up in, in rural Michigan, a really, really small uh, town. I graduated with only 16 people in my uh, senior class Oh wow! and there was not a lot to do there. Yeah, so we spent a lot of time skiing in the winter time. And, uh, after, after I graduated from high school, moved on in my life a bit, I ended up skiing and snowboarding a lot moving to colorado moving to utah and uh after i met my wife we ended up moving to the new york city area and i uh, didn't ski or snowboard as much and i ended up getting involved in skydiving when we were living in new jersey
0: now what was the uh what was the first itch to go make a jump was uh you know was it a bunch of friends doing it or was this something that you had thought about for quite a while
1: At uh, late night drunk at a bar nice. co-worker was we're going skydiving! And I was like, yeah! And then the next day, I was like, no. no. <laughs> I work. I'm like, okay, hopefully they forgot all about it. And then I get to work. And they're like, we're going skydiving! <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So, uh, yeah, but my, uh, my first experience with that was extremely positive. And uh, it wasn't uh, actually, you know, when people talk about extreme sports and things like that, my, my first connection with skydiving was, was kind of the opposite of that. The fact that uh, it was a little one eighty two drop zone, and uh, the ride to altitude, sitting there talking to my wife's TI Kevin Purdy, uh, really kind of made me realize, like, hey, this is something that people do. Mm. This isn't you no know, this this crazy thing. This is this is something that people actually. I uh, was able to see that sort of. Uh, similarity between, you know, the ski community, snowboard community. With Scott average people who have a passion for something really exciting and, and going to beautiful places and, and experiencing, you know, being outdoors. Sure. And, and uh, you know, it, there was a lot of parallels there immediately for me.
0: Now, what drop zone was that?
1: Uh, Skydive Jersey Shore.
0: Okay, very cool, very cool. I actually know Kevin Purdy from uh, Vegas days, and then when he was bouncing back and forth to New Zealand. Small sport, man, <laughs> very small sport. <laughs> Were you
1: uh, were you at Cross Keys around this time, around two thousand one, two thousand uh, two? I
0: did Cross Keys into two thousand three through uh, beginning of two thousand six.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yep. And two thousand six was, I think, the last time I was at Cross Keys. Actually.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was kind of the end of the the real heyday for my time um, in Cross Keys because the oh four oh five seasons were, I, I mean I remember some of them. <laughs> they were they were that place was fucking epic for so many reasons and very few of them involved jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> and if you've done uh, if you've done the Jersey Shore and then uh, up and down that and if you spent some time in Cross Keys, especially then, then you know quite well yeah that's actually when i got to to meet uh, cola for the first time uh, she was out doing uh, tours for uh, uh, pd i think it was uh, she was the rep for pd at the time and uh i met her and uh um one of the relative workshop guys uh that was out um, there as well and we showed yeah. them the proper cross keys and i think we're still recovering <laughs> from that one <laughs> so it was good stuff so you yes. you made your first jump and you were shooting the shit with Kevin Purdy, who I personally know is a wonderful ambassador to the sport. He's got this great energy. He's just this super happy but very well-spoken guy. Um, is that kind of what helped draw you into wanting to make jump number two?
1: Uh, absolutely. I honestly, a lot of times I wonder uh, if I had gone anywhere else, if it, if it had been a different experience for me, if I would be here at all right now. Mm. Like I I really put a lot of, a lot of uh, my roots in, in the fact that Kevin, and I kind of showed me the way into the sport.
0: Sure, sure. Now, was how was the jump itself? Was jump number one super exciting? Was it kind of mellow? Uh,
1: you know, I don't rem- like. A lot of people talk about how they remember so much of the first jump. I just really remember, uh, you know, my wife jumped first, and I remember that shift when, as soon as I saw her leave the plane that made me really excited. Like mm. uh, just did, you know, that when you watch someone leave a plane, you know, that emotion, that, that feeling. Right. And uh, a lot of the fear went away and I, I was like,
0: Okay, yeah, now I want to do this. <laughs> nice, nice. For me, it was, it was funny because it took me an entire month worth of bad weather and uh, aircraft problems to actually be able to make that jump. Uh, so by the time I finally got to the actual open door, getting ready to go, it was almost relief. I just wanted to get the fuck out of the airplane so I could say, fine, it's done. I don't need to obsess about this anymore. Uh, and then, of course, uh, landing on a hot summer day in Las Vegas, uh, trying not to throw up, I couldn't pay for my next jump quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cuz it was just that uh, that amazing and then i found out that um as i went through jump number 2 and 3 and so on i found out oh wait this shit's actually kind of scary <laughs> so it it took a while i
1: i remembered that feeling more far more distinctly than than the first guy and i remember just Wanted to keep skydiving and making that drive. It was about an hour down the Jersey Shore every time I went to the drop zone and kept thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Right. Like, like, this is crazy, you know, and it just kept getting scarier and scarier.
0: (laughs) I had this place uh, on the freeway and I've talked about it before on the podcast. I had a place on the freeway where if I turned around there. I could go home and hold my head up high and not feel ashamed. But if I drove past that point on the freeway, I had to make at least one fucking jump. And it was I don't know why I kept going. I ha- it wasn't that I hated it. I was thrilled when I land I I was thrilled as soon as I left the airplane. But everything leading up to it was horrible. Yep. I don't know what I was thinking. And so, you know, to be looking back, you know, more than 10,000 jumps later going, all right, how stupid was I?
1: It's, it's, uh, it's cleansing. You know what I mean? Like That that time, like you said, as soon as you leave the plane, it, you're so in the moment for the yeah. entire think I mean, That's what we all share is that, that, you know, that time, there's, there's nothing else that can get into that time.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Now, so you started jumping. You made your first jump with your. You guys were married at the time. I uh, no, we, we, we weren't married, but we've, we've been together since ninety nine. Okay, okay. So together since ninety nine, but you were together when you made that first jump. Now, did she keep jumping as well? She actually doesn't jump a ton anymore. She
1: does jump a little bit, but uh, she works at the school. And she's the uh, she's the head rigger over at uh, adventures in Skydiving right
0: now. Oh, nice. All right. So w- you you go out together, you make this first jump, you obviously both continue on and continue to skydive, but what were you doing for work and, and what was life like before that jump? What was normal life?
1: The two of us worked in restaurants for years and years. That's uh, actually how we ended up meeting, uh, but not not the same restaurant, but we were living in Park City, Utah, and uh, my neighbor, she worked with, with them. And so I, that's that's how I met her. But we were both in the hospitality industry forever.
0: Okay. All right. So that's actually that's actually probably a pretty easy transition when you finally decide you're going to go into skydiving, because let's face it, from sunup to sundown and well beyond, skydiving is all about hospitality.
1: A hundred percent. And I'm really surprised that uh, more people from the restaurant industry don't end up in skydiving just because, you know, you have these intense work environments, lots of pressure. Um, you know, that, that's to me, that's kind of what having has always been, uh, the easy relationship there is just, it's, uh, hard work. And, and uh, just keeping everything really organized, doing things in a specific order. You
0: know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. And again, it's, it's being able to, uh, um, put on that happy face and, and put on a good front, no matter how crazy shit's going up in your head to be able to keep that smile, which is a big deal. Yeah. Especially, especially, when... especially with, please go ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about tandems, uh, you know, it was, it's. It's something you need to keep if you want to enjoy doing tandems and and make it enjoyable for people. When you get to that 12th or 14th one of the day, it's not their 12th or 14th jump. It's probably their first jump ever. Yeah. So keeping that in the front of your mind is
0: enormous. You know, that was one thing that uh, if I look back on any of my time in in the sport, my one regret was – while we were having an absolutely amazing time at Cross Keys, I think everybody kind of lost sight of the fact that those tandem students were the reason that we were there, and we were using their jumps for our entertainment. Uh, And it didn't dawn on me until a couple of years later that I'd be watching videos of the antics that we would get up to during these jumps for, for tandem students and realize, oh, fuck, man. That's clearly not this guy's jump. He's just a prop that we're using to have fun for our own videos. And I look back at those now, and although we still had an amazing time, I'm I'm sad that I didn't give more to those students because it turned out, you know, 25 years later, my favorite way to skydive is to take tandems, uh, and I missed out on a couple of years of some great students because I was too busy fucking around having fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's I guess that's funny. Growing up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean unfortunately and fortunately, both ways to look at it is we work in a sport where it is that much fun. I mean, that was a day at work was having a great time. And it you know, I look back and again it was still good fun for them as well, but I could have made it better. And that's a tough thing to teach people. So Yeah. In in your transition um, from the hospitality industry into skydiving, did you just start jumping for fun, and then it just became uh, one of those things that you're like, I've got to find a way into this for work?
1: So, I, you know, I had the desire to do it for a living for a really long time before I started doing it. But luckily, my wife is super, super supportive of me, and uh, she was, I think, the one who really kind of pushed me over the edge because... There was, a, there was a period of years where I was really working and uh, thinking all the time about how how important it was for me to, to pay my bills and, and be responsible. And like, I at skydiving for a living is something that, you know, I wasn't necessarily like willing to, to make that jump and uh, you know kind of start living in an RV and moving around and all that. Sure. I just kept thinking about doing the responsible thing. You know, and, uh, so I ended up, that was fun jumping for years. I only started jumping full-time professionally about six years ago.
0: Nice. Nice. So, uh, well, I mean, a, a lot of people end up jumping into the professional side of it super quickly just so that they can support the habit. Uh, and people like me, I was working in the sports uh, so quickly that I kind of gave up a lot of those fun jump years and just screwing around and figuring out who I was as a skydiver. Um, so doing it your way sounds a hell of a lot smarter. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just kind of, kind of what... Uh...
1: You, know, I, you just run into your path. Yeah, I think yeah. it, was, it was the right time for me.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Now, did you start out by uh, uh, getting a tandem instructor rating?
1: Yes. Yeah, I did actually start out by, by getting my tandem instructor rating first. And I think that that was uh, a really – I'm super glad that I did it that way uh, because just talking with students, uh, I, like I said earlier, it amazed me when people want to do AFF first um i was really glad to start after 7 800 tandems i realized how little i knew about doing tandems sure uh, but i realized that talking to students was just such a huge portion of of Doing
0: successful handlers. Right, right. Well, one thing that I learned uh, um, quite quickly on is that you try as as much as you possibly can to engage them so you can figure out what kind of student they're going to be in the door and in free fall. Um, and yeah. I hate to say people fall into a, a lump categories, but you can get a pretty good idea, don't you think? Totally. I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it a million times that the guy that comes walking through the doors balls first and, and uh, um, one of his comments is I wish I didn't have to go strapped to somebody else we all know what's coming he's gonna fucking melt like butter <laughs> right? <laughs> he's the guy who's crying
1: as soon as you're in, as soon as you're under can
0: oh man have, you, have <laughs> you ever had one just completely fucking melt down on you? it's I, I've had I've had a couple
1: that were really surprising, like it. But exactly, it's the same category. It's it's the guy who like almost always skips leg day. Yep,
0: yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking great way to put it. It really is. Well, it's funny because as a tandem instructor, you kind of have to earn your little micro mini uh, psychoanalysis card uh, and be able to read these people. Because man, the shit that you see coming as you get, you know, further and further into your career, they're so much easier to spot. It's it's crazy. And they're almost always going to react the same way. Which and it's nothing against them, man. I, I always tell people they never know how they're going to react until they're at the door. We might know, but they don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then with that in mind too, it's like, I have to, it, it's funny you should mention that specific part because every time I feel like I'm about to, to pigeonhole someone, I guess, or, you know, as I'm like talking to them, I think to myself, I'm like, remember, you might be wrong. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the, the, the things that they pull out of their sock will always amaze you. The, oh, yeah. the, I love that part of the tandems too.
0: Now, how long uh, into Tandems did you start to be able to take the skills you were learning from Tandems and put it against people you were meeting in regular life? Because it's funny, you start to see those patterns in the supermarket and in the line at the bank, and it's kind of funny, isn't it?
1: So, I think
0: uh, because I was in the service industry for so long,
1: doing Tandems or working in Skydive, like you said, it was just like waiting tables. Right away, it was... like, I'm just so used to, to to meeting people in like one, two, three, four, and and spending two hours with with people. Right. You know what I mean? And, and seeing their behaviors, watching their body language, and and, and it's so it's super familiar
0: nice. for me right away. Nice. Now, do yeah. you do you have any students that stand out? Uh, the ones that you're just never gonna forget. Man, it's. I've got a couple that uh, um, I think are just locked into me so tightly. You go first, because
1: I, I, like, immediately, like, three or four people popped to mind, but I can't think of any any that I, like,
0: Well, I, had I a, can't think of the right one. I had one guy that was just like the one I described, and I even remember his name uh, was Randy, and he came out, and you'll, you'll be able to remember the exact time in the States. He was wearing a No Fear t-shirt and Oakley razor blade glasses, Uh, had a bit of a mullet going on, and he was one of the ones that was like, oh, I wish I didn't have to get strapped to a dude. And, of course, he turns to fucking butter in the plane, and I tried everything. I was joking around with him, and I was low time as a tandem instructor, so I didn't really know how to handle watching some, you know, uh, mental macho man melt down in front of me. Uh, so I, I didn't calm him down all that much in the plane, just enough to get him out the door. Um, but I got him out the door. We had a decent skydive and, and, uh, um, he was hooting and hollering when the parachute opened because he knew he wasn't going to die. Uh, and we landed and I put him down right in front of his wife and his buddies that he was acting so badass in front of before. And when I unhooked him, he turned around, jumped on me, legs around my waist, pinned me to the fucking ground and kissed me on the mouth. Which, <laughs> And it's funny because I use that story because that's the moment I knew I loved being a tandem instructor. Because if I turned Randy, this no fear wearing absolute fucking knob of a guy into somebody that will completely forget who he's pretending to be, even for just a moment, that's something I liked. That was fucking cool, you know, because that dickhead Randy turned into a real guy for like 30 seconds in front of his wife. It was great. You know,
1: it's, it's great talking to you about stuff like this Dean, Cause it's, it's, it's funny and interesting to really talk to people who love doing tandems yeah. because th- that's a great point. It's like you get to meet who someone is when they're raw and exposed and, and you know, the, it, it's, it's not just fluff or, yeah. you know, everyday conversation. Like yeah. they're, they're having this experience that is Truly once in a lifetime, oh, whether yeah. or not they ever skydive or not again, those first skydives are so powerful.
0: Oh, yeah. well, know it's- It breaks down all the walls instantly and people are for such a very short period of time exactly who they are without thinking about it because they're too fucking scared to think about, you know, keeping up the appearance of all this stuff and they just get to be themselves, which sometimes is I mean, let's face it, sometimes it's fucking hilarious. Uh, and it, it's amazing, too, how witty and intelligent people can get or just turn into complete blithering idiots because they have no idea what's going on. They just can't cope. and it, But it's all wonderful because you get to see them for who they really are. And it also, and I'm sure you you know this as well, as a tandem instructor, it means I don't have to play games anymore. I'm just me. That's it. You know, This is who I am. Here you go. <laughs> and it's nice. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I think is it's that or being a camera flyer for tandems, you just have such a rare insight into who people really are.
1: You know, it's, it's funny. You should mention that too, because I still, uh, we don't do a lot of video here at has kind of Arizona, as far as the instructors, uh, will either be doing FF and, and tandems or the videographers kind of, it's. We have some videographers bounce back and forth a little bit, but it's it's a videographer who's pretty much just shoot video. Right. So I don't get to do a lot of that here, but I'd say maybe once every two weeks, three weeks, I just throw on my wings and go do a, a fun jump. Like I'll shoot video, I'll, I'll video fly for a tandem, not right. actually take the stills or whatever, but I'll just go be in front of a tandem just to you know remember what it looks like from the other side. Right.
0: I mean, and it's fucking it, wonderful. It's,
1: it really it, It's amazing to see that energy in free fall. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's almost uh, uh, the camera flyers for as a unique a connection as a tandem instructor has with this student. I think the camera flyer even has a slightly more intense view. Granted, it's just for free fall, but they are eye to eye and looking someone in the eye while they're experiencing what to them can be the most absolutely mind-blowing thing that they've ever seen, and they're looking right at you, and they're smiling at you, and they're waving at you, and it's, I mean, the reactions and the faces and the gestures are never-ending, and it's insane. And I'm, I'm sure you the same with you. I've had people land after the jump that were waving and kissing towards me and flipping me off in free fall, and they land and say, well, where were you? Well, <laughs> That's fucking right in front of you, man. You were blowing kisses to me the entire time. <laughs> but it's, it's cool to see that um, that how people have this amazing reaction to what I don't want to say is commonplace for us, because I don't think any jump is commonplace, but um, normal for us. <laughs> Which, I mean, who gets to do that? It's so cool. Luckily, we do. Right? Yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Once we're off house arrest and they let us jump again, right? Not this month. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, how are you faring up with all this uh, this craziness? I know everybody's going a little bit stir crazy. Fuck, I shaved my head three days ago, uh, so it's it's getting a little weird. Uh, this has
1: been for for my wife and I. This has been actually pretty nice. We've been able to spend some time together. We've been cooking a lot of meals. Hanging out with the dogs, and because you know, Elo is kind of in the middle of nowhere. We're social distancing automatically. Yeah. We can walk out the front door and we're in the desert with the dogs. So it, it's kind of, like my normal day off, but just thirty-one of them in a row with no travel plans.
0: Ooh, yeah that that gets that gets a little bit rough. But you're right; you do have nature to get out there. There's a lot of people listening right now that are just fucking stuck in an apartment and and can't leave, can't go anywhere. Uh, where I'm at's the same thing. I'm in a city, so I I don't have the ability to go venture out at all. And it's it's getting a little it's getting a little weird.
1: Um. I'm counting my blessings that we, we are where we are, uh, especially after, you know, for us living close to New York city for a really long time with tons and tons of people on top of each other and, you know, it been there during, uh, nothing like this, of course, sure. but you know, the last, the last time a hurricane came through, uh, you know, people rushing on gas stations and, and. Power outages, things like that. You know, whenever you're in a really densely populated area and things aren't going perfectly, it's definitely uh
0: sure definitely
1: a lot scarier being kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so no doubt. Just just let's-
0: well, seeing things on the news and in and, uh, and social media and all that, it actually seems to me, not being in the States, that although the virus is smacking into stuff pretty hard, it seems like the public is actually handling it pretty well. I, I, I don't believe I've ever seen the American public as a whole just take a deep breath and go, all right, got to do this. And that seems to be what's going on this time.
1: It, it does feel like that, too. I've had a couple of people reach out to me, That you know, people. You know, you sort of fall out of touch with with people for absolutely no reason. You know, old friends, or just I've had a few people reach out to me recently. Just you know, probably a senior check-in, but you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) do. (laughs) I do know what you mean. It's interesting
1: (laughs) to, to to have that those good feelings. People of coming together seeing if people need anything things like that sure. especially the community is was really small too so there's al- already been a lot of that or people are just Taking care of each other, making sure if anybody needs anything that we're all here for each other.
0: Which is awesome. But I'll tell you what, and I'm sure you'll agree, the skydiving community has proved to me so many times over the last 25 years that they will do that for each other regardless of the circumstances. Uh, I mean, say what you will about fucking Facebook and Instagram and all that. Uh, It keeps people connected. Uh, And we've got such a spread out community all around the world that it gives people the opportunity to really reach out. Uh, You know, every time you see someone's hurt themselves, it's a low turn and there's there's people passing the hat around to help someone out. The skydiving community is amazing with this kind of stuff. So uh, it almost feels like it's just kind of kicked that portion into overdrive. I mean, you've I'm sure you've seen liquid sky now making masks. Yeah. How fucking cool is that? Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm reading articles in the LA times about a skydiving jumpsuit manufacturer. That's fucking amazing. That's really cool. And it's, it's a, um, it's a badge of pride that, uh, you know, a skydiver one of ours is, is making a huge impact on, you know, a, a large scale trying to help everybody else. It's really cool.
1: It, having the ability to help and, and just transitioning right over into it is is amazing yes. just, just having the fact that, that he's out there doing that work is is so fantastic! Well,
0: and he's such a character too. I had him on the podcast. It's actually just been uh, released, and uh, uh, we're chit-chatting about uh, him getting the suit set up and and uh, him transitioning to help with the masks and how he got into skydiving and this and that. And then all of a sudden, I find myself it, it, listening to him tell a story about he's shoulder deep up the ass of a cow giving a pregnancy test because he he used to impregnate them for a living, and that's what his degrees in. And I'm like what <laughs> how the f- how the fuck did we get from making masks for a virus to your you know fisting a cow <laughs> it was amazing The transition's natural yeah no but see but that's the fucking hilarious thing is is that's not a difficult transition to make in skydiving
1: it's it's one of the most amazing things about the sport too is that it's it's this shared passion amongst people with absolutely incredibly different backgrounds right you know it the people who get into this sport we 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 have that, that one thing in common and everything branches off that whether or not you have more in common than that but it's it's amazing to find such a an activity with, with this shared passion that we all have burning inside of us and we can be just completely different people from completely different backgrounds.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Uh, I had a a very early lesson in that on my end at the drop zone that I worked in in Las Vegas, we had uh, a member of the Vegas's version of uh, the drug enforcement of the police there or the SWAT, I guess you'd call a Vegas and a known pot dealer that were both jumpers and it was just this agreement this gentleman's agreement that they had that I'm not going to fucking arrest you on the drop zone. You're not going to deal drugs on the drop zone but if i catch your ass off on the street you're fucked but on the drop zone let's go have fun let's do a horny gorilla and it was this fucking fantastic thing you know it's uh oh um, man it's just one of those things that uh, um actually i'll tell you the only time i've ever seen Skydivers not as easily putting aside their differences is in the current political uh, climate, which we won't get into. But I think this is the first time I've ever seen um, skydivers actually have to go, let's just not fucking talk about that. <laughs> It really is, you know. And I, I, I very uh, intentionally go out of my way to make sure that I don't talk about anything political. I really don't air my views so much on this because I'd, I'd say that some guy named the fucking pilot' stance is pretty much <laughs> an open book.
1: I, I honestly think that a lot of times that's that's the safest way to go too, because it's not like those are those are the conversations where they're so rare that it would end with me being like, Oh, I understand your point and I will abandon my point and agree with yours. Right. You know, right? it's, it's usually just point counterpoint and people going back and
0: forth and nothing really gets solved. Nothing gets solved. So. It's not entertaining. It, it usually just ends up in, in aggravation and who the fuck needs that? Cause we jump out of airplanes and do stupid shit on a wind hold because it's fun. We don't do it so that we can get aggravated. <laughs>
1: Solid bartender rule: You never start a conversation about politics, religion, or sports.
0: Right? Yeah. No, that's a damn good one. I mean, at least with with skydiving, we it, it the the old joke about pilots. Uh, how do you know which pi- which is uh, in the room as a pilot? Don't worry, he'll tell you. Same thing with skydivers, of course. We'll all, you know, I mean, my, my girlfriend is not a skydiver and not a pilot. So you can imagine how excited she is when we get around with a bunch of skydivers, right? <laughs> did uh, what, did you get into flying through skydiving or were you a pilot before you started skydiving? I started flying when I was 16 years old because my parents were trying to keep me out of prison. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was a little juvenile delinquent. I was a pain in the ass. And in order to try and uh, keep me happy, I got flying lessons when I was 16. Uh, So I got my pilot's license real early on. But being 16, I was also an idiot. So I did nothing with it. Uh, And then uh, found my way into skydiving because I started flying in the tunnel in Las Vegas uh, and ended up becoming a skydiver. And then through skydiving, got back to flying. Uh, so when I was in Cross Keys, there was a, a flight school on the drop zone, uh, and I went back and uh, got back into flying. And next thing you know, I'm a pilot around Scott Evers. So it just kind of, you know, <laughs> one thing one led to another. Yep. yep. Can't get away one without the other. No, no, and it's, it honestly was a fantastic transition because I was at that point in the sport where I was kind of getting a bit burned out. I'd worked for some people that had kind of rubbed me the wrong way, as happens in skydiving. And uh, because I had just worked in the sport for so long, I forgot what being a fun jumper was like. Uh, so when I decided to take a break from jumping, I was still at the drop zone. I still had the joy of the community, uh, but I just stepped back from jumping for a while. Um, which was perfect. It was a great transition for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was real good. So now, y- you get into the sport, you start uh, um, working in the sport as a tandem instructor, but your wife ends up a rigger. Yeah. Now, how did that come it's, about? You know what, I think in Eloy, it seems like
1: a lot of the wives become riggers. <laughs> <laughs> she worked at that top for years. And, uh, she, she kind of like, reached the end of her joy there. And uh, she was like, the hours were super late. You could just, she wasn't happy the part I think anymore. She been, been in the food service industry. It's both been, she would say, 25 plus years each. Wow. And, uh, and so she was like, you know what, I just need to branch out and do something different. And so she went uh, over to Rigging Innovations and took Sandy Reid's course. And she's meticulous. She's that type of person were like written immediately appealed to her. Nice. So it was, it was a
0: pretty easy transition. Well, <laughs> and if there's one fucking word I want to describe my rigor it's meticulous. <laughs> so <laughs> um, how long had she been a rigor before you were letting her pack your reserve? Immediately. Really? Like I said she's meticulous. All right. And, uh, the uh, I don't
1: know Carmen uh, Webba she is. Uh, she, was, she was featured in just this month. Uh, she's an old friend of ours, and I knew her when I was a fun jumper, and she was doing all the rigging and skydives. us, and "She was. She was in Cross Keys. Wow!" I don't know if you two would have overlapped at all.
0: What's her name think again? So. Carmen Villamil? Hmm. uh,
1: Hmm. She-
0: just doesn't it sound familiar, universe. but that doesn't mean anything. I'm getting old. Yeah, uh,
1: she's she's uh, she's been a huge part of our lives for the last eight nine years. Uh, and Natalie, as soon as she started getting interested in rigging, Carmen was was really helpful to like you know showing her things and sure. kind of getting her started on that path. And Carmen's a master rigger who is one of the most meticulous riggers I've ever met. Uh, so immediately having Natalie working with her,
0: I was thinking, great. We'll go right ahead. That's awesome. Well, and, and as you know, one of the greatest things about the damn sport is how uh, giving people are with their time and their knowledge. Uh, as soon as they know that they even kind of like you, they're bending over backwards to help you out. Uh, so it's pretty spectacular that she had that kind of a mentor to get her into rigging. The thing is, too, is like especially I think you had mentioned this about Eloy earlier. You're saying how uh, how it can be a little intimidating. Um,
1: it's, I think it's intimidating. To people sometimes when they come to Eloy just because they feel new or you know like they they don't know everyone uh, and and there are you know throw a rock and you're gonna hit world champion. Easily on the drop zone at pretty much all times in whatever discipline it is. But the thing is, if you hang out at Eloy for a little while and you know, friendly, get out there and talk to people. It's amazing how free people are with their information right. and how approachable they are. You know they, everyone came here because this is a great place to be. We're jumping all the time. Got great weather, so everyone has that. Uh, wanting to train harder and, and be better at whatever part of whatever discipline you're into. So everyone has that sort of commonality amongst each other. Like, Hey, we're all here to do the same thing. We're all here to get better. So we might as well share that pool of information sure. amongst each other. Well, and so I think it's good.
0: looking back on it, the big part of uh, uh, my feeling intimidated, uh, low time going to Eloy was not because of the behavior of people at Eloy. It was because of my um perception of holy shit that's so-and-so oh my god I can't believe I'm here with I'm on a load with this person or that person so it wasn't them it was me and not wanting to walk up and approach that person because who am I right you know and and not thinking that oh wait a second this is fucking skydiving you know I mean and it's funny too especially all these years later uh having seen Omar el back in the day or Olaf Zipser back in the day and terrified to go in anywhere near them and now I call them both friends, you know, and it's it's uh, just that finally that closing of the gap and coming around and going, oh, wait, these are just guys that like jumping out of fucking planes. They just do it better than me, <laughs> 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 which is great, you know, I mean, uh, uh, especially now considering almost everybody's better than me because they've got tunnels and all this shit. So everybody's a rock star. It's, uh, there's no reason to be intimidated anymore. It's a great time in the sport. And I'd be interested to hear your
1: take on this too. As an instructor, seeing people come into the sport now, two years ago, five years ago, seeing the relationship the tunnel has with with the sport and with with people's goals, right? Like, I remember being, as a student specifically, watching. like, watching, rewatching VHS tapes of free fly, of hmm. spaceball, uh, and and just being absolutely riveted by these concepts. And, like, spaceball jumps to me to this day are still, like, mind blowing. Oh, but yeah. But to be, like, just come into the sport now and have the tunnel, it's, it, 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 I think about spaceball as, like, this was the tunnel. That that was that was the bar. That was how you could tell, sure. you know, if you were on level or, or how close you were. And and now with the tunnel, everything. If, if you have money and you have time, you can get very very good at like a, a lot of the nuances of skydiving. You know, I'd say like ninety percent of skydiving, right? Sure. But but tunnel itself
0: is. Is a completely different concept too. It doesn't teach you the familiarity with the environment. Right. Well, that's the big thing is that uh, um, and I'm a huge fan of the tunnel. I'm actually an original tunnel rat because I worked in the Las Vegas tunnel back when it was the only tunnel. It was the amusement ride. And and it wasn't a great um, simulator for trying to learn a lot of stuff in skydiving, but it taught you the basics. Um, But to see where it's gone now, it really did just become this incredible tool that can teach people to fly in ways that to be quite honest, I didn't even dream of when I was starting out. There was no way I would have seen it going this direction. Um, And it's it's both humbling and um, also just awe-inspiring to see it all happen. But I'm sure you're the same way is there's a before tunnel and an after tunnel mentality. And the before tunnel mentality, like our generation, is We have that little bit of pride in the back of us that says, I had to learn this shit 45 seconds at a time. I didn't get to buy 15-minute fucking blocks. I had to pack in between every lesson, and chances are I had to repeat lessons 50 fucking times before I got it. So there's that little extra bit of pride that, yeah, you might be able to fly better than me, but fuck you, I learned it (laughs) one jump at a time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: we had to walk back and forth to school uphill both ways.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I know it shows my age and I'm fine with that. There is that little bit of pride in me and I'm sure it's just being stubborn that I'm never going to fly as good as these fucking kids. You know, I I, uh, uh, interviewed the Kennett family a while back. Sydney Kennett's what, I don't even remember how old she is now. I think 14, 15 years old and she can do shit in the tunnel that I would never, ever be able to do. Not with, oodles of training wouldn't happen the the level of skill is just insane and i've watched the best in the world fly right in front of me trying to break down how they did this and that and it becomes they wiggled their big toe sideways to do this fantastic move that i'll never figure out and maybe you're the same but for me there's a uh, there's a huge freedom in knowing that i'm never going to be that good cuz i don't even have to try <laughs> You know, it's funny, I think that
1: it helped me in a way as well, maybe slightly different. Charlie, settle down, little man. Hey, Charlie. Uh, It it helped me realize that as far as skydiving and being better, uh, how how flexible that bar is, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, you should always strive to train harder and, and be better but it, it's there might be someone who has a little more time or a little more money to train oh, yeah. you yeah, know? and, and it, it helps to reconnect with the passion of just being aware of the people around me you yes. know and, and, and really
0: well, and, and, and for, for that mentality is a fantastic fit for skydiving because skydiving is so much more than just jumping. It's much more to me about the community and about the people that it draws in and the experience that you give them. Um, I take great pride in the fact that although 99% of the students that I've taken on tandems will never remember my name, probably couldn't pick me out of a lineup, they will always remember the experience that I gave them. Um, there's not one person that ever went on a tandem with me that's going to forget that they jumped out of an airplane. And I did that, you know, just like you did it. They don't have to remember my name. I'm never going to be fucking famous for strapping people to me. It's not going to happen. And I'm fine with that. I It's being able to do that one person at a time and, and I'm lucky enough to have taken, I don't know, eight 9,000 people on tandems and I, I pat myself on the back for having been able to give them an experience that was unique to me. Not necessarily unique to the sport, but unique to me, you know, and it, I think that's cool as fucking hell. I'm never going to stand on top of a podium, and and I don't care if I stand on top of a podium. It doesn't matter. That's that's not the, I, you know, that's that's not the kind of medal I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I can't agree more with you. One of the
1: one of the scariest things for me about when I finally took the plunge and decided to, to skydive full time, work as an instructor full time. Uh, one of the things that I think pushed me away from that for the longest time was seeing friends get their tandem rating for whatever reason, uh do a season of tandems and then burn out on the sport. Stop fun jumping. Yeah. Stop doing tandem. Yeah. Stop coming to the drop zone. And and that to me was this in the beginning I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified that I was gonna that somehow my love of skydiving was going to go away right, by taking money for it. And you know, Luckily for me I don't know if it was uh, how much was me how much was this how much was the circumstance um, I I think I like doing tandems now more than I liked doing tandems when I started doing tandems. Right. I don't even know if I, I I it's it's just as much of a fun thing to me be because of that oh, there yeah. there are some there sometimes there's there's body odor there is vomit occasionally there are there are some things that Don't make it super fun sometimes, but
0: most of the time, It's a really, really fun scat. Well, you know, for me, um, tandem started out as something I was 100% opposed to. I've made no secret about that. I did not want to get my tandem rating, and I was pushed into it by a DZO that basically said, get your tandem rating or fuck off. Uh, And by then, I was 100% all in on, you know, working in the sport. So I got my tandem rating, and I hated them all up until I took that guy, Randy, which is when I kind of turned a corner. And then it was probably two or even two or even three hundred tandems later that I got good at doing tandems. I was just surviving up until about three hundred tandems. But when I hit that three hundred tandem range, I actually knew what I was doing. I was doing a good job, and I knew it. I was I, I felt proficient, uh, and they weren't scaring me more than the student. And that's something people don't talk about and I, I know you laugh, but it's true for the first hundred fucking tandems, I was more scared than my students, every single one of them. It was terrifying. it's so much responsibility and so many things can go wrong. And I started off on the old vector equipment where if you looked at the malfunction tree, one of the fucking branches just dead ended like if this this, this and this happened, fucking walk towards the light. you know so it was it was a scary way to go.
1: I was just talking to uh, Scotty Wood, who's a tandem instructor examiner here, and uh, we we've been doing a lot of AFF I eval jumps together, and uh, helping Jared Miller with some of his courses. And we're riding the tram the other day, and I turned to Scotty, I was like, Scotty, I think I figured out the difference between the AFF and tandem. Getting your AFF rating is
0: stressful but getting your tandem rating is terrifying. <laughs> yep. It is. <laughs> it is. I remember my very first paid tandem. I was jumping at skydive Las Vegas, and, and I had uh, I had gotten the, gotten the rating. I had taken the, the fun jumpers that I was required to take, and then the boss immediately, I've got a working tandem to do. And it was a Japanese tourist that spoke no English. So not only is he exactly at my weight limit, he was 180 pounds. Which, if, for those that don't do tandems, 180 pounds when you're a new tandem instructor is the biggest fucking guy you've ever seen. It's just enormous, and uh, and he can't speak English. So all I want to do is spend an hour telling him how not to get us killed, and all I can do is smile and nod at him and tell him in Japanese how to pretend he's a shrimp, which. Didn't- <coughs> didn't really help a lot, you know, and we, I I survived the jump, obviously, and I get down and through the translator that was not around when I was trying to brief this guy, I managed to explain to him that he was my very first ever customer and his smile went away really quick, (laughs) (laughs) but I needed him to know he was my first because I wanted him to have some inkling of just how fucking scared I was (laughs) on that skyline. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, uh, Dean, you ever meet, uh, Peter Rovnan? Yes. Instructor? Yes.
0: I, I know him quite oh. well. Absolutely.
1: Perfect. So, uh, when I got my tandem rating, uh, I got my tandem rating from Rich Winstock and this was at Scott F Sussex and it, you know, I'm, I'm about five sticks, 150 pounds at the time. And I'm a little worried about, you know, like, okay, how do I work my way you know, from being a little guy? Like, you know, like, Work my way into doing tandems, and uh, we do do the first portion of the course right away. He's telling me like, "Don't worry, we're uh, from very beginning. We're to match you at your uh, at your weight, your size, you know. We'll do some tandems. We'll bump you up ten pounds at a time as you're comfortable, you know. And we don't have tandems that are your size in the beginning. Then you know you'll just sit up. It's no problem. I'm like, okay, sweet. I don't feel there's any pressure at all. So. We do the ground portion of the course and, and Winstock throws his back out. And so he's like, listen, I can't do the jumps with you, but we can, we can go down to Cross Keys and, uh, the, you know, the, the guys down there can, can do the, you know, portion of the course for you. Like, okay, cool. So we fly down to Cross Keys and range and, And Peter are the the guys who are going to do my eval jumps. And I look at Peter, and and for anyone out there who doesn't know Peter Rodman, he's like 6'6", like 225 pounds. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So my first
1: ever tandem after my solo on the system is taking Peter Rodman out of a king air.
0: Jesus Out of a fucking king? Oh, you jumped across keys king air? (laughs) Oh. Yup. Oh no,
1: Jesus! So I, I was just born to do big tandems from the
0: beginning. Well, he's a he's a monster Eastern European with a fucked up sense of humor. So that must have been a hell of a skydive.
1: I love people. It was it was it was a blast. I, I did have a, have a lot of fun, and I ended up uh, working with him a couple of like later on in the season and the, the next season to come up and, and work for Winstock a little oh, bit there.
0: yeah no no i know peter quite well as a matter of fact if we were on the show i would tell some stories he'd probably tell me to shut up over but I'll, I'll save those for if i ever get him on Yeah, that king air so i was working at cross keys when they got that king air and it's a if anybody doesn't remember this airplane it's a narrow door king air and john eddowes the owner at the time it was the very first load ever and so we're we're on our way up, and John's flying the King Air, and let's just say his sign-off to fly the King Air was not extensive. He <laughs> basically just put the coals to the fire, and, and off we went. And so I'm the first tandem out, and I managed to get out the door, but it was like getting hit by a fucking freight train when we roll out of this thing. And I tumble and tumble and tumble and tumble, and I finally get the drogue out, and then it's a normal tandem. But I land on the ground and I'm just, I'm fucking exhausted because the exit just kicked my ass. And about 20 minutes later, John comes up to me. He's all, it was a hell of an exit, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck, man? That was insane. He's all, yeah, so this horn was going off and uh, I thought it was the stall horn. (laughs) So I nosed it over and got going faster. But it turns out it was just the gear horn. I didn't know that was going to happen. So what had happened was... Because the landing gear wasn't down when he pulled the power back, the stall horn starts going off. He thinks he's stalling, so he noses the thing over, and he's got a fucking little King Air 90 just hauling ass as I'm trying to squeeze out this teeny little door. So he just (laughs) (laughs) beat the fuck out of me on the first ever load to drop out of that King Air. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. joys the work of a king here. Good times, man. It's You know, it's funny because I'm convinced after all my years in the sport, as safe as we make skydiving, I'm still convinced that Darwin has no effect on skydivers. <laughs> Somehow we just stopped evolving and keep getting away with this shit. <laughs> ah, fingers crossed. Right, right. <laughs> So what comes next? You uh, you've been two in tandems for about six years, you say now, and and you're you're dipping your toe into the AFF world, huh?
1: I've been been working a lot on uh, my instructor evaluator for AFF and tandem, uh, so I'm enjoying that. I feel like I just want to keep teaching, man. I feel like I'm blessed right now to be able to to be doing this. Sure. Uh, I think the interaction had today. Speaks volumes that you, you clearly understand exactly where I where I come from on this. It's like it's such a joy to be able to to relate with people in this environment, uh, teaching teaching them about skydiving and, and being able to uh, to play to your comment about Darwinism too. It's uh, you know to be able to try to help people into this sport and try to lay foundation for them that. they're going to do whatever they're going to do with whatever knowledge that uh, they get, but really striving every day to make sure they're getting good knowledge and being able to build a good foundation of of, I mean, safety is a really flexible word in what we do, right? We want to do it as safe as possible. Uh, So getting people to just try to make good life decisions when their lives are in danger, right? I mean, that's
0: I think that's the yeah, big thing. I think that's the big thing that people we've been skydiving for so long and so little. Um skydiving is still a dangerous sport. We've done amazing strides in making sure that it's very safe, and especially in the tandem world, we've got such a ridiculously fantastic safety record overall in the sport that people forget that just one or two bad choices are and in tragedy, you know, and it's that's something that uh, especially as you're going on to being, uh, you know, a tandem instructor evaluator, that's a big fucking thing to have a grasp on and be able to pass on because we make it seem so easy and we make it seem so safe because we do it 15 or 20 times a day that people forget, no, no you've got to be on your game, you know, and I think a lot of people that get into wanting to, and I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time. Why do you want to get your tandem instructor rating? I want to be able to take the girls on jumps. I want to be able to take family on jumps. Okay. Well, what else are you going to do? Well, no, that's it. That's all I want to do. Well, no. Okay. You shouldn't get your fucking tandem instructor rating. Cause if you're not current and if you're not doing it all the time, you've got no business hooking up to another person and people don't get that. I, I can't agree more. Right. It's teaching. People are like, I want to I wanna make a skydive because I want to get my license,
1: because I want to get my tandem instructor rating so I can take my wife on a skydive. Right. It's, it's like, why wouldn't you want to have this guy who's done 20,000 tandems take your
0: wife on a skydive? Right. Like, well, you, get I got license, a, come on. I got a bunch <laughs> of shit a few years back. My daughter made her first skydive, and I didn't take her. Um, And people are like, well, why aren't you taking her? You got eight, 9,000 tandems. And I'm like... Well, first off, I'm not current, so I'm not going to go get current just to take my daughter because guess what? Even a current tandem instructor after, what, one or two jumps, I'm still going to be rusty as fuck. I'm not going to then take my daughter. I don't want to take anybody under those circumstances unless I'm back on top of my game. But two, again, I've got, you know, tandem instructors around me that are not just current, but current for years that are leaps and bounds above where I'll be right now. Why would I not want the best to take my daughter or my friends or whoever, you know? So the the whole, I just want to get my tandem rating so that I can take mom or my wife. or No, that's a really really bad idea. really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to get your tandem rating, do it, you know, and do it and do it because yep. you're going to work in it and you're going to stay current. Uh and I'm sure you'll agree, you get a lot more fat fucks than you do hot chicks. So if you're trying to get into your tandem instructor rating to bang hot chicks, you got into the wrong gig. Sorry. <gasps> Be a cameraman. Yep. I got laid a lot more as a cameraman. <laughs> they look cooler and you're staring at the pretty girls the entire time. But I've taken a lot of fat, sweaty, smelly guys. And trust me, those not, that's not what you're after. (laughs) So as, uh, uh, a uh, As we wrap up, uh, every time I always ask people, I want you to give advice to those people that are just working their way into the sport and wondering what direction they should take or or what mentality they should have. And for those older jumpers that have been doing it for a long time that are wondering, fuck, you know, I don't know that this is that fun anymore. I'm kind of getting burned out. Uh, What do you say to either one of those groups, to the ones just starting and the ones thinking they might walk away?
1: well i guess for the ones just starting i mean really the the best advice you could ever have in that department i think is just focus on surviving this skydive you know the the one you're working on right now when it comes to to buying gear or having goals and aspirations in the sport you know kevin Purdy once said you, you want to make a taco you got to chop a little lettuce <laughs> you know that, that to me that that really always resounded as far as like people are coming into the sport now because they want to get into wingsuit flying and flying wingsuits next to mountains and things like that. And it's, you know, whether or not you end up at that place in your life, just, just focus on, on the skydive you're working on right now, whatever it is that you're doing. And I guess for, for people who would be sort of at the end of, of skydiving as they see it, uh, there's two ways to look at that. I think, I think that sometimes I think about how many different types of skydiving there are, and, and the fact that there have been doing a lot of like head down big way stuff the last couple of years. And if I ever got to the point where I was tired of free flying and, and doing that for for joy outside of instruction, I think that I could. Get into four way belly. I've never really done any of that. It would be super easy to, to start over again. Sort of mm-hmm. at a point where I'm like, I don't really know the dive part. I've never done this. Like, You, you can easily just start over in this sport anytime you want in another discipline. But if you feel like you're getting burned out, then cool. Take a break. Sure. sure. Go yeah, on the yeah. mountain bike. There in the world, like skydiving will, skydiving hopefully will always be here for you.
0: Yeah, if you're not getting your joy out of it then... well and that's kind of what I did and, and it turned out to be the best advice was to walk away and, and come back with a fresh perspective and, and uh, I became a born again fun jumper after 25 years in, in 11, and 11,000 jumps and figured out that A. I don't need to be the best I just need to have fun and B. Holy shit somebody lets me jump out of an airplane you know right? it, it just became a, a, a really happy rebirth which was amazing well, Rich, I'll tell you what, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with me. I want you to tell people if they want to come out and jump with you, you're out at Skydive Arizona, right? Correct. Any way to track you down on social media? Uh, Rich Labar on Facebook. All right, Rich Labar <laughs> on Facebook and out at Skydive Arizona jumping all the time. Hey, again, seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dean. It was a real pleasure have talking to you today.
0: Take care. All right. Once again, that's another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you by liquidskymask.com. That's right. You heard it right. Liquid Sky Mask. Not only do they not only make badass jumpsuits for skydiving, for karting, for racing, they're making face masks because right now we're all stuck at home trying to stay safe. And when you got to go out now... Having a mask on your face is a damn good idea. We've also got doctors and nurses that are in huge short supply of exactly that kind of stuff. These guys are trying to help out. Go to liquidskymask.com. You can order a mask for yourself. You can donate them. It's amazing. And, of course, buy that badass new jumpsuit. Also brought to you, of course... By the greatest magazine in the known universe, that's blueskiesmag.com. Head to blueskiesmag.com to subscribe to the magazine, both print and digital. Send those pictures in. We want to see the cool-ass pictures, especially now. We're fucking bored. Send the pictures in. Come up with those article ideas. You've got nothing but time. Put pen to paper. Tell those badass skydiving stories. We want to hear that shit. All right? For me, I'm the fucking pilot. You can go to the fucking pilot.net where you can get both the books that I've written, the Blue Skies Mags fucking pilot book, as well as The Accidental Stripper. Both of those books are available in digital and print form, and I'm about halfway through getting that audio book done because guess what? I'm sitting on my ass, too. Again, this has been Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next time.